So I grew up in a home where my mom and dad, they taught me about God and about Jesus and Jesus coming and dying on the cross. And uh, I, so I always had a faith in God. I always, you know, uh, always, you know, never against anything Jesus. I just didn't care about it. I thought it was irrelevant, had nothing to do with my life. I wanted nothing to do with anything that had to do with, with God at all. And uh, during, right before my freshman year of high school, I moved from Denver, Colorado to Lincoln, Nebraska. And uh, when I moved, I quickly realized that everything that I found fulfillment in, joy in, it was all gone. It was 500 miles away, and I found myself completely unfulfilled. So I ended up just on a relentless, you know, search looking for anything to, to give me fulfillment in life, and I ended up finding it in a girl. And uh, we started dating and just feeling fulfilled in this relationship. And a few months later, uh, I was like, man, if I feel like this now, like what if we take this to the next level? And so we ended up, ended up having sex. And, and I felt guilty at first because I, was, I grew up being told that that was wrong before he got married. I didn't understand why. So I felt guilty. Uh, but at the same time, it made me feel fulfilled. And so I just continued to have you know, a, a sexual relationship with her for almost the next two years. And really it turned out to be like, uh, really, I, I kept having to have, you know, have sex with her in order to feel fulfilled at all. Well, right, before my, right between my sophomore and junior year, she came to me and she said, Ronnie, I think I'm pregnant. And every ounce of fulfillment that I was finding in that relationship and, and having sex with her was just gone in a moment. And uh, at that point in time in, in, in my life, I was actually going to this thing called Campus Life, which was a Christian-based club at our high school. And uh, the only reason I went is because my football coach led it. And uh, I really liked him. And so when she told me she thought she was pregnant, I called, I called him and said, hey, man, can I come to your house and talk to you? And he said, sure. So I went over to his house, and I'm just bawling in his basement. My life is over. Like, look at what I've done. You know, my girlfriend's pregnant. I'm 16 years old. Yada, yada, yada. And uh, he said something to me I'm, heard, I'm sure I've heard a thousand times before in my life. But in this moment, in this pivotal circumstance, it meant something different. He said, Ronnie, you keep trying to find fulfillment in everything and everybody except the only person who can truly give it to you. And I knew he was talking about Jesus, obviously, because I'd heard you know, that message many times before. I went home. And that night, I just was thinking about his words and thinking about my life. And I realized, probably for the first time, the bigness of what sin, the effect of sin, and my sin, and what that had done in my life. And I realized, like, me following my own way and leading my own life, like, what it had led to at this point in my life. And uh, I was just desperate. And I was like, you know what, I, I can't do this anymore. And I'm willing to give anything a shot. And so that night, in my bedroom, I I put my faith in Jesus. I asked Jesus to be the forgiver of my sins and the leader of my life. And I said, I want to follow you. And uh, it wasn't long after that. My girlfriend came to me and said, you know, she wasn't pregnant. But something changed in me. Something changed me after I put my faith in Jesus. Like I, I had no desire to live in my life anymore and to go down that path anymore. I truly wanted to follow Jesus. And that was the starting point of, faith, of my faith in Jesus. That's how my relationship with God started. Which leads us back to this series. See, today we're in the, you know, if you, we're in the final week of this eight-week series that we've called Starting Point. And over the past seven weeks we've been talking about faith in Jesus or what has become known as the Christian faith. And the premise of this entire series is that faith has a starting point. And you know that how something starts usually determines how well it goes from that point forward. Well, it's no different with faith. The starting point for faith, particularly faith in Jesus, it, it changes everything. The right starting point changes everything and the wrong one does too. And after years of talking to people and observing 
serving people and watching people, I've included that one of the reasons people are hesitant to start faith in Jesus or they abandon faith, lose faith, become disinterested in faith, question their faith, is simply because they didn't have the right starting point for faith. So we decided to do this series and hit the restart button by answering the question, what's the right starting point for faith in Jesus? And last week, I gave everyone who was considering starting faith the opportunity to put their faith in Jesus, asking them to be the forgiver of their sins and the leader of their life. And I'm all kinds of jacked up today because many people started their faith in Jesus over this past week. Many people put their faith in Jesus. And let me just tell you, for for those of you who that is, uh, either here or in the room, uh, we are excited for you. We are celebrating for you. We're celebrating with you. Well, I could not be more jacked up for you starting your faith and putting your faith in Jesus. Not only that, I've heard countless stories of others whose faith in Jesus was restarted, reignited, or grew over the past seven weeks. And I am so humbled. I'm so grateful for how God has worked through this series in our lives. But that brings us back to today. See, after I put my faith in Jesus, things really started to change in me. The guilt and shame that I had felt with all my sin, it was almost like it just seemed to be washed away. I didn't feel that shame and that guilt anymore. I knew I was forgiven by God for it. And I I began to have this sense of peace that my eternity was transformed, that there was nothing that I could do or not do that was going to change my eternity, that my my heavenly Father loved me. I I knew I never needed to look for anything to find fulfillment again. I I knew I, I just needed to look to Jesus, and that was where I'd find my fulfillment. And there's times I've wandered throughout the years, but I've known I've never needed to look to anything else to find true fulfillment in life. And I began to experience a hope and a peace and a joy and a fulfillment that I'd never had before. And over time, my identity, where I found my significance, my identity, my perspective, my character, my entire life was transformed. And I found true purpose, true purpose of, man, wanting to glorify God by sharing the good news of Jesus and the hope of Jesus, the the same hope that I experienced when I put my faith in Jesus. See, the moment I put my faith in Jesus, God transformed my eternity. And as time went on, I was more transformed into everything he created me to be. The question is, how did that happen in me? How does it continue to happen in me? And really the question for you is, how does it happen in you? Because that's what we're talking about today. See, the, the, the reality of it is it doesn't happen by chance. And it doesn't happen by accident. So as we wrap up this starting point series today, I'm going to be answering the question, what are the next steps after we put our faith in Jesus? I mean, I saw so many, we saw so many people put their faith in Jesus over the last week, and so many of us have done that before. So what's the next steps after we put our faith in Jesus? And we're going to discover answering this question is so important because transformation happens one next step at a time. Now, before I get to all of that, it's important to grasp the magnitude of what happened the moment that we put our faith in Jesus. Because what happens is nothing short of miraculous and supernatural. The the Apostle Paul, he explains what happens like this. Therefore, if anyone... Like regardless of your past, regardless of where you're at in your life, regardless of your doubts and your questions, regardless of your color, regardless of your age, anyone. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, everyone who started a relationship with God through faith in Jesus, by asking Jesus to be the forgiver of their sins and leader of their life. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, Paul says. The old, he's referring to you know who we were before faith in Jesus and all the implications of that. The old is gone and the new who we are now after faith in Jesus and all the implications of that. The new is here. See, he's not talking about just someday. 
He's talking about two days, talking about present reality. And then he says, all this is from God. It's nothing we did. Remember, we talked about this throughout the series. That this is because of God's grace through faith in Jesus alone. All this is from God who reconciled us. And Paul uses that relational word because, remember, we taught all throughout the series that Jesus came to restore our broken relationship with God. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself. And why did he reconcile us to himself? Why did he choose to do this? And We taught all throughout the series that it was because of his great love for us alone who reconciled us to himself through Christ through Jesus death for us and resurrection from the grave see the magnitude of what happened the moment we put our faith in Jesus should not be overlooked and cannot be overlooked the moment we put our faith in Jesus we are transformed into Paul words a new creation the old is gone and the new is here now I, I want to kind of give some more words of what that means. But if you missed this series, man, go back and watch because this kind of all wraps up what we talked about this series and all make more sense of this list as I'm going through this. Paul says, before faith in Jesus, you were an unholy sinner. And because of that, you were unworthy to stand before holy creator God. But now, after you put your faith in Jesus, you're a righteous saint. God, God now calls us holy, not because of anything we did or didn't do, but because the moment we put our faith in Jesus, by asking him to be the forgiver of our sins and leader of our life, the blood of Jesus atoned for, which means washed away the guilt and the shame and the consequences and the penalty of our sin. Paul says, before faith in Jesus, the old, you had a broken relationship with God. But we talked about this all throughout the series that you know, our relationship with God was, you know, our sin was such a violation against holy creator God that it broke our relationship with him. But after we put our faith in Jesus, the new has come. We now have a restored relationship with God. We have entered into a relationship with our heavenly Father. Paul says, before, before faith, the old, you were outside of God's family, completely unable to do anything about it. But the new has come. After you put your faith in Jesus, you are now called a child of God. And nothing that we do or don't do can make our heavenly Father love us any more or any less. See, before our faith in Jesus, the old, you stood condemned and guilty before holy creator God. And we were deserving of nothing but his wrath because of our violation of sin against him but now the new has come after we put our faith in Jesus you're forgiven and you're justified we're forgiven for all of our past all of our present and all of our future sins we're declared innocent of the debt we owe him because of our violation of sin against him see after we put our faith in Jesus we're not perfect we're just forgiven before faith in Jesus, you, you, the old, you earned eternal death. The penalty that we earned because of our violation of sin against Holy Creator God was death. Said it every week of this series, sin didn't make us bad. Sin makes us dead. It's separated from God. Separated us from God, the creator of life, the giver of life in this life and in the next. But the new has come. After we put our faith in Jesus, you were giving eternal life. We, st we, we are saved from the penalty of our sin and reconciled to God, the creator and the giver of life both in this life and in the next. See, after we put our faith in Jesus, we're immediately transformed into a new creation. You look at this list, isn't it amazing? The old, all that's gone, and the new has come, and that's amazing. That's miraculous. That's supernatural. 
And you're like, well, how did all that happen just by putting my faith in Jesus, just by asking Jesus to be the forgiver of my sins and leader of our li- my life? Well, the writers of Scripture tell us the moment we put our faith in Jesus, something weird yet amazing and unexplainable and powerful happens. And listen, this is kind of all this like Jesus stuff and God stuff is new to you and you're skeptical of all this. I get why you are. You should go listen to this series. I think it would be really good for you. But what I'm going to say next, I understand how weird it sounds. When we put our faith in Jesus, the writer of scriptures tell us that God's spirit, referred to as the Holy Spirit, took residence within us. Paul says, we are now in Christ because his spirit now resides in us. The writers of scripture call those of us who have put our faith in Jesus temples of the Holy Spirit, which means God's presence is not in a place. God's presence resides in us. God is not a far off, unaccessible God. God is a God who is near, who we have a relationship with now. The moment we put our faith in Jesus, God's spirit takes residence in us and God is now with us. We are now in a relationship with our heavenly father and his spirit immediately transforms us into a new creation. The oldest is gone and the new is here and that is awesome that's amazing and that should never ever ever be overlooked or understated but what now but what now hey put our faith in Jesus great old is gone new is come like what now well what you need to know is Jesus didn't come to this earth and die on a cross and rise from the grave just to save us and forgive us and justify us. As amazing as all, those, all that is, Jesus came to do something so much more that, that doesn't just affect us someday but affects us today. See, Jesus came to transform us into everything that God created us to be. And what I say next is so important. You just you have to grasp and have to understand what I say next. Many people, many people view the Christian faith as nothing more than adhering to an you know, archaic, old-fashioned, you know, life-sucking religious beliefs, behaviors, and rules. And that is so sad because nothing could be further from the truth. If that was the case, I would have never put my faith in Jesus and I would not be following Jesus today. And I've said this almost every week throughout the series, but you need to hear me say it again because this is so vitally important. Jesus did not come to start a religion. Jesus associated why he came with a very much, very different word. And the word he associated why he came was relationship. When you read the Gospels, The documents documenting the life of Jesus, the first four books in our New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. The amazing thing you discover is that it's extraordinarily relational. You discover that Jesus came to change the religious paradigm that existed. You discover that Jesus came to shift shift people's thinking from religion to relationship with God. You discover that Jesus came to change how we think about God, how we approach to God, and ultimately how we relate to God. We said, we talked about it throughout the series, that when you pick up the Gospels, you discover that Jesus came to restore our broken relationship with God but Jesus didn't stop there we discover that what you discover when you pick up the gospels is that Jesus came to lead us into a growing trust relationship with God after we put our faith in him which means if our approach to God is anything less or more than relationship you've missed something after we put our faith in Jesus it is all about growing in a relationship with God through Jesus, bottom line. Not a cheap version of it called religion. 
When we view God through a religious paradigm, we lose sight of the relationship that Jesus came to this earth for, that Jesus died on the cross for, and that Jesus rose from the grave for. And when we lose sight of that and begin adhering to, you know, a religious set of religious behaviors or beliefs to get in with God or stay in with God, we don't experience being transformed by God into everything he's created us to be. Therefore, we never take hold of the life and joy and peace and purpose and fulfillment that can only be experienced through a growing relationship with Jesus. Another thing that you discover when you read the Gospels is that Jesus continually used one relational phrase over and over and over again. And the phrase he continually used was, Follow me. Follow me. Jesus wanted to be very clear that the way that our relationship with God grows is not by adhering to a certain set of behaviors or having a certain set of religious beliefs or following a certain set of religious rules. That the way our relationship with God grows is by follow me. Follow me. But how? Like, how do we follow Jesus? Like, what does it mean and what does it look like to follow Jesus? Well, Jesus, the cool thing is he actually clearly answered that question. And he answered it. Uh, the, his answer is recorded in, in Matthew chapter 7. Uh, and many of us know this passage at the, at, you know, in Matthew chapter 7 if you grew up in, in church world. Because you probably learned a song about it, you know, in, in Sunday school growing up. But what Jesus said in Matthew Sunday is right at the end of the most famous sermon he ever gave called the Sermon on the Mount. And all throughout this sermon, Jesus was basically teaching here's what it looks like to follow me in order to grow in a relationship with God and the cool thing was his entire message was application oriented which was the way that Jesus always preached Jesus always taught for application not just information because application is what makes all the difference so starting in verse 24 of Matthew 7 here was the conclusion of Jesus most famous sermon called the Sermon on the Mount therefore Everyone who hears these words of mine, you know, what I just got done preaching in this sermon, and puts them into, look at this word, practice. Not just theological categories and not turns them into a list of religious do's and don'ts. Puts them into practice. It's like a wise man who's built his house on the rock. The rains came down and the sun came up. The rains came. No? Okay. Uh, The rain came down. The streams rose and the wind blew and beat against that house. The illness came. The death of a loved one came, the loss of a job came, the miscarriage came, the financial hardship came, the disappointment came, the grief came, and beat against that house, and beat against your life. Yet it, and the it Jesus is referring to is our faith and our trust and our confidence in God, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Jesus is saying to grow in a relationship with God, to have a faith that withstands the pressures and the realities and the pain and the disappointments of life. Follow me. Follow me. Which means listen and, and apply what I've said. See, many people think that the way to grow in a relationship with God is through more, more knowledge of God. And knowledge of God is really good. But knowledge alone is, it will never help you grow in a relationship with God. Because just like in any relationship, you can know all the facts you want about God and still not grow in a relationship with him. I'm married. I know this. Anyone married know this. Me and Christy can know all the facts about one another that we want to know, and we can bullet point them all out and tell what's true about one another, but that doesn't mean our relationship is growing. But that doesn't mean we feel more love for one another and are loving each other more. 
Man, I think just wrapping it up, the big idea that Jesus just wants us to know through this is our relationship with God grows by following Jesus one next step at a time. Jesus is saying, you grow by following me, by taking the next step to go where I am leading. You, you, Jesus, this is so crazy. Jesus never calls those who put their faith in him Christians. Never a word Jesus even used. Never once. He never called those who put their faith in him Christians. He called us disciples. Disciples, also known as followers. He called us to follow him. And following him is an active thing. It's not a passive thing and just a believe thing. We follow him one next step at a time. This is why when we put our faith in Jesus, we ask him to be the forgiver of our sins and the leader of our lives, saying, I don't know all the way that this looks, and I don't know all the places where you're leading, but I want to follow you. I want to follow you where you are leading. Every next step we take to follow Jesus, you know really what it is? It's a declaration of trust. With every next step we take to follow Jesus, essentially we're declaring, I trust you. I trust you. And when we take a next step of trust is when God shows up in tangible ways in our lives. And that's when our trust in him grows more. And as our trust in him grows, our relationship with him grows. Because just like in any relationship, as trust goes, so goes the relationship. Now, check out how Jesus ends this sermon, this whole sermon. He ends it with a warning about what happens when we, those of us who have put our faith in him, don't follow him. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into, there that word is again, practice. You can believe all the stuff you want. It's like a foolish man who's built his house on the sand. The rains came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against that house. And it, once again, the it he's referring to is our faith and our trust and our confidence in God. And it fell with a great crash. After we put our faith in Jesus, we can have 100% Sunday morning attendance. Like We can believe all the right stuff. We can obey a list of religious rules perfectly. And we can do all of those things perfectly. And still not grow in a relationship with God. And then when the pressures and the disappointments and the pains and the trials and the hardships of life come. Because we haven't grown. In that relationship, our faith comes crashing down. The number one thing, number one thing, number one above all else and everything I've ever seen happen, the number one thing that I have seen cause people to abandon their faith in Jesus, to question their faith in Jesus, to lose their faith in Jesus, and to walk away from their faith in Jesus is simply that they stopped taking next steps following him. So the relationship never grew. So their trust and their faith never grew. And Jesus is going, don't forget this. Don't forget this. This is all about a relationship. Man, if there's one phrase as we end this series, I hope just this gets driven into your minds and your hearts today, and that is that our relationship with God grows by following Jesus one next step at a time. With every next step we take to follow Jesus, our trust and our confidence and our faith in God grows. With every next step we take to follow Jesus, God, through his spirit who resides within us, transforms us more into everything he's created us to be. And the more we're transformed, the more we experience the life and hope and peace and joy and fulfillment that Jesus came to give, that Jesus died to give, that Jesus rose from the grave to prove that only he can give. As Jesus described it in his own words, life 
to the full. Life that is truly life, not just someday after we die, but that he wants us to experience today. So the question that begs to be asked is, like, how do we know what next steps to take to follow Jesus? Like, how do we know what those next steps are? Well, after following Jesus for 20 plus some odd years now, I've, I've kind of narrowed it down to three things. And I just want to go through those real quickly with you. First thing, the writers of Scripture. We can easily identify a next step to take to follow Jesus by the truths, promises, and principles he's already revealed through the writers of Scripture. I mean, think about, you know, many of us, how many times we prayed, God, just show me. God, show me what to do relationally here. God, show me what to do in this relationship. God, show me what to do financially. What should I do with my finance here? God, show me, show me, just please speak to me what I need to do in my marriage. God, please speak to me sexually what I should do. God, please speak to me. Show me, should I move in with that person? Should I move out of that? And God's going, so often, I've already had it written down for you. Why are you praying? I had it written down for you for the last 2,000 years. You, you, you ever heard something in a sermon or read something in the Bible and like out of the blue in a way that's like, you're like, I should do that. I should do that. It's in those moments Jesus is inviting you to take a next step to follow him. Unfortunately, people often misinterpret the Bible and take so many verses out of context. By the way, if most time when people are misinterpreting and taking verses, you know, verses in the Bible out of context, most time we do that, we do it for our own benefit. I don't like that. I want to go my own way. And so I'm going to make this fit with my own interpretation so that I can make it fit with what I like. By the way, most of the time, whenever we misinterpret, that's what we're doing. So let me just say two things real quick. If ever you are justifying, you're doing something and justifying what you're doing with what well, the Bible says, and you're pointing to that verse, what well, the Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says, but what you're doing does not glorify God, you are misinterpreting Scripture. The other thing is this, Jesus, right at the end of his life, he's with his best friends, his 12 disciples, he's having this final meal with them, and he says, hey guys, before I go, I want to give you one new command. It's my one new command that I'm going to give you before I step out of this earth, and that is to love others just as I first loved you. So whenever you, you know, how, how you're treating someone, you know, if you're not, you know, you're, and I'm treating them this way because the Bible says, because I, you found a verse, the Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says, and the way that you're treating them does not communicate love or hurts them, you are misinterpreting Scripture. See, based on Jesus' one new command, here's the best thing you can probably remember about like, hey, am I, am I interpreting Scripture right? If it hurts them, it's a sin. If it hurts them, it's a sin. If you are ever not loving others just as Christ first loved you, you're not following Jesus. The next step Jesus always invites us to take is to love others just as he first loved us. Because of what God has revealed through the writers of Scripture, because what he's revealed is it's, it's one of the primary ways that we identify next steps to, to follow Jesus. I encourage every one of us who's put our faith in Jesus from this point forward to be consistently exposed to practical biblical teaching. Be consistently exposed to it. At Relevant, we're committed to that. At Relevant, we're committed to practical biblical teaching that inspires and empowers you to follow Jesus. At Relevant, we don't preach for information alone because Jesus didn't preach for information alone. We're committed to making faith practical because we care about one thing. And that one thing is transformation. 
So man, to, you know, to, to really identify next steps to take and to follow Jesus, know how to take no steps, next steps and follow Jesus, be, com- be a continually exposed to environments where practical biblical teaching has happened, be committed to Sunday gatherings, whether in the room or online. Parents of young kids, get your kids in Sprouts and Relevant Kids. Get them off of your couch at home and get them here in Sprouts and Relevant Kids because practical biblical teaching is so important for them to know what next steps to take to follow Jesus. Middle school students, high school students, be committed to Rooted and Youth United because practical biblical teaching is key to identifying what next steps to take to follow Jesus and knowing how to take them and follow Jesus, which is so important because our relationship with God grows by following Jesus. One next step. At a time. Secondly, other followers of Christ. I mean, one of the clearest ways to identify a next step Jesus is inviting you to take, uh, to, to follow him, is through other followers of Christ, through other people who have put their faith in Jesus. You've got to know, if you're kind of new to this whole thing, the church is not a Sunday morning program. The church is not a program. It's not an event. And the church is not a building. It's why we didn't call this building Relevant Community Church. We called it the Relevant Center because a church is not a building. A church is a people, people who have put their faith in Jesus, a community, a gathering of people who have put their faith in Jesus, children of God. And people all the time would say, well, I don't need church to have faith in Jesus. I don't need church to know God. And you're right. You don't need other followers of Christ to know God. But you do need them to grow in your relationship with God. And you don't need other followers of Christ to put your faith in Jesus. But you do to follow him. You need other followers of Christ to walk beside you in the fullness of grace and truth. You need other followers of Christ to bounce things off of, to ask questions that, you know, you're, ask questions to, to wrestle through your faith with. You need other followers of Christ to pick you up when you fall down, to encourage you, to, con- uh, to confront you, to inspire to you. To, to inspire you. You need other followers of Christ to listen to, to watch, to learn from, to lean into, to be there when the pressures and the, and the pains and, of life come crashing all around you. And let, let me say this. If you're a follower of Christ, others need you too. Because what you've got to remember, if I can just, if every follower of Christ, once you put your faith in Jesus, you can understand this. It is not all about you We need each other to grow in a relationship with God and follow Jesus. You need others, and others need you. Because other followers of Christ is one of the clearest ways we identify, you know, what next steps to take to follow Jesus. I encourage everyone who's put of, of us of us who have put our faith in Jesus from this point forward to be full uh, to be fully engaged in a smaller community of people at Relevant. We call these smaller communities for college students and adults, T Life groups for you know kids. We, you know we call them Relevant Kids small groups, middle school students rooted small groups, high school students youth united small groups. We say all the time here at Relevant: circles are better than rows. Circles are better than rows. Circles are better than rows. Getting in a smaller community is more transformational than just sitting on a Sunday morning because transformation doesn't happen in isolation. The best environment for the potential, and I say the potential because it doesn't happen all the time because it takes a lot of people, people committed to do this together. The best environment for the potential of relationships to form is these smaller communities. Uh, This is the best environment for the potential of relationships to form that are going to help you follow Jesus, which is so vital because our relationship with God grows by following Jesus one next step at a time. Here's the third thing. Promptings from the Holy Spirit. I said at the start of this sermon 
the moment we put our faith in Jesus, God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, takes residence in us. And one of the reasons that Jesus said that he, was, he sent the Spirit, that he sent his Spirit to reside in us, is to lead us into next steps to take to follow him. Jesus said, my sheep, referring to his followers, know my voice and follow me. My sheep know my voice and follow me. And the way that he speaks to us, his sheep, is through his spirit who resides in us. And if you're going, well, if that's true, why have I never heard him? Like, why have I never heard a verbal voice from him? Well, from my experience, he doesn't lead verbally all that often. Most of the time, he leads through a conviction, a prompting, an inspirational that stirs something within us that doesn't seem to be of ourselves. That makes us go, not sure if I want to do that, but I feel convicted. I feel inspired to do that. That looks scary. That looks, ah. See, because you ever heard about that opportunity? Maybe it's something we're preaching or something, you know, you ever heard about that opportunity you felt convicted and you thought, I should go do that. I should give to that. I should go there. I should forgive them. You ever thought out of the blue, like in a way that just doesn't make sense, and I never would have thought of that, and, you know, I'm not even, where did that come from? And I need to call them. I need to remove myself from this situation. I need to sign up for. I need to ask them out. I need to break up with them. More times than not, it's the Holy Spirit prompting you to take a next step to follow Jesus. And oftentimes, the next step the Holy Spirit prompts us to take, it's hard, it's terrifying, it's self-sacrificing, it's irrational, it's inconvenient. And that's why we dismiss it so much. But we must remember what Jesus is doing in those moments. In those moments, he's inviting you to trust me. Trust me. And that's why it's worth taking the next step. A few years ago, I felt really out of the blue, uh, this conviction that I was supposed to not take a salary for two months, to give my entire salary back to Relevant for two months. That came out of the blue. I never would have thought of that myself. I didn't want to think of that. Uh, I had no desire to want to do that. And I, but I couldn't shake it. I just felt like I was supposed to do that. And so I talked to Christy and we said, well, let's do it. We're supposed to do it. So we did. And let me tell you what didn't happen. What didn't happen is this story of like all of a sudden when two months later a check showed up in my mail for the exact same amount that we gave away for two months. That story didn't happen. As a matter of fact, those two months sucked. There were super, it's, we had to sacrifice a lot in those two months. It was hard during those two months. I didn't like those two months. And I don't want to go do those two months again if I'm being extraordinarily honest with you. It was a huge sacrifice. But let me tell you what did happen in those two months. In those two months, I grew in my faith and my trust in God more than any two months period of ever in my entire life because God proved himself faithful over and over and over in those two months. And in those two months, I experienced more peace from God than I've ever had in my entire life. All because followed a prompting of the Spirit. Since one of the main reasons Jesus sent his Spirit to reside within us, those of us who put our faith in him, is to lead us in the next steps to take to follow him, I encourage everyone who say that of us who say we're followers of Christ to consistently pray this question from this point forward. And I've given, I don't know how many times I've preached this question. And the question is, John mentioned it earlier. Jesus, what would you have me do? Jesus, what would you have me do? In regards to this financial situation I find myself in, in regards to, you know, genera- Jesus, what would you have me do? In regards to this relationship, Jesus, what would you have me do? In regards to right now what I want to do sexually, Jesus, what would you have me do? In regards to this conviction I'm feeling, Jesus, what would you have me do? Not, Jesus, here's what I want to do. Will you please bless me? Nope. Jesus, what would you have me do? And then listen. And take a next step no matter how hard it is because our relationship with God grows by following Jesus one next step at a time. 
Now, before I close out this series, I want to quickly talk about one very important word as followers of Christ. And it's a word that talked about all throughout this series. It's a word that we hate. It's an ugly word. It's a word that we, we'd never want to talk about. And that word is sin. Everything I've talked about, talked about sin a lot in this series, but everything I've talked about it in this series had to do with before we put our faith in Jesus. I want to quickly talk about how sin affects us after we put our faith in Jesus. See, after we, I, they put their faith in Jesus, you, know that we, you need to know that we, I, they, no one is perfect after we put our faith in Jesus. We're no longer called sinners, but that doesn't mean we're sinless. We're no longer called sinners. It does not mean we're sinless. We all have chosen to sin after we put our faith in Jesus, and we all will continue to choose to sin after we put our faith in Jesus. I've chosen to sin, and I will continue to choose to sin. This is so important. After we put our faith in Jesus, sin, and I mean any sin and all sin, after we put our faith in Jesus, sin, it's no longer a salvation issue. It's a surrender issue. When we choose to sin as followers of Christ, the issue is no longer about salvation. The moment we put our faith in Jesus, we're told that our past, our present, and our future sins are forgiven. Which means when we choose to sin, we're choosing simply, we're choosing simply just to not follow Jesus in some area of our life. That financial, you know, financial area or sexual area or emotional area or a mental area or relational area. We're choosing not to surrender that area of our life to him. See, it's a surrender issue. It's not a salvation issue. It's a surrender issue, which ultimately is a trust issue. In that area of our life, we're saying, Jesus, I do not trust you. I do not trust you. I'm not going to follow you in that area of our life. That's what, that's, that's what that sin is. It's a surrender issue, not a, not a salvation issue. Secondly, you've got to know sin, any sin and all sin after we put our faith in Jesus, doesn't affect our salvation. It affects our transformation. Our choice to sin doesn't affect our eternity. It affects God transforming us into everything he's created us to be today. Furthermore, after we put our faith in Jesus, sin, any sin and all sin, doesn't break our relationship with God, but it does hurt it. Sin no longer breaks our relationship with God. We're his children. We can't sin our way out of this thing, just like my kids can't sin their way out of a relationship with me. But it does hurt our relationship with him. And it stops us from growing. Not because when we sin, God's removing himself from us. But because when we choose to sin, we're choosing to walk away from him. And just like with any relationship, that hurts the relationship. So the next step, when we choose to sin, the next step that Jesus is always inviting us to take is repentance. And that's a big word. People really don't know. What does that mean? What does that, you know, turn into, here's what, here's what it means. I was walking this way away from you, and I've realized it. And now I'm going to turn back towards you and say, in this area of my life, I'm going to surrender it. I trust you. So, here's the final question as I close out this series. For every follower of Christ, what next step is Jesus inviting you to take to follow him? Most important question I've asked all series long for any of us who've already put our faith in Jesus. What next step is Jesus inviting you to take to follow him? Whatever the next step may be, I hope you choose to take it. Because we grow in a relationship with God one next step at a time. We follow Jesus one next step at a time. And God transforms us into everything he's created us to be one next step at a time. Hey, by the way, if you haven't put your faith in Jesus yet, it's not too late. 
It's not too late to say, Jesus, I trust you. I trust your death on the cross was sufficient to pay my penalty for my penalty of sin. And I'm, I, I trust you, that your resurrection proves that only you alone could give me eternal life. I trust you alone to be my Savior, my Lord. I'm putting my faith in you by asking you to be the forgiver of my sins and the leader of my life. And right now, I know maybe you came in here, you you're sitting on your couch, you were never thinking of doing that today. But right now, there's a stirring inside of you to go, maybe I should. Maybe I should. I think that stirring is the Holy Spirit prompting you right now. So, in this moment, why not accept Jesus' invitation to follow me? Just come, follow me. Let me pray for us. Dear Lord, I just thank you for this series, and I thank you for how it's helped people start their faith in you and grow their faith in you and reignite faith in you. And I pray for everyone of us who have put our faith in you, Jesus, that we choose to every day go, what would you have me do? And we choose to take a next step to follow you, and through that, you transform us more into who you created us to be, that we grow in our relationship with you more and more, our trust in you more and more. God, for anyone who hasn't put their faith in Jesus, they feel that stirring inside right now to do that. I pray in this moment where they're at, on their couch at home or at their desk or in this room, that right now they put their faith in you, Jesus. They ask you in this moment to be the forgiver of their sins and the leader of their life. I pray as they're putting their faith in you that they know at this moment that through the power of your spirit, they are a new creation. The old is gone, and the new is here. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.